So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time, and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags to riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life and the multifamily legacy podcast We'll show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, this is Corey Peterson, and welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. We are in episode number five. Can you believe it? We've already done five of these things. Man, how does time fly so fast? Hey, before we get started, I need you to do me a quick favor and go to the Kahuna Wealth Builders and get my workshop series downloaded so you can have and like get started on some good stuff for multifamily, right? You need to get, we have basically two videos, two videos in there that will teach you how to find deals and how to find money. It's very educational and you'll need it. Um, the second thing, and it's the one that I really, really like, is when you guys go to iTunes and take the time to get there, because I know it's a pain in the butt, and you give me that fat, loving, warm, perfect review. Like that means so much, and I really appreciate it when you do it. So if you can do that for me, that will just like make me smile from ear to ear, and I'll be forever in your service. So with that said, let's get into this episode. Today's episode is all about making offers and how to get your offers accepted from a broker. Now, these brokers, they're a weird, funny bunch of people. And I would like to think I understand them, but I don't always understand them. But I do understand this. I know what makes brokers like get excited. And as weird as it sounds, it's not that hard for you to figure it out. There's only, in my mind, one thing that really motivates anybody that's in a commission-based position to get really excited and that's called commissions or money and so um let's just preference if we got into our broker's head and said well what motivates this guy what is he really excited about he's not excited about your deal he's not excited about going to the property and touring it and letting you and showing it to you that doesn't probably motivate him. all he really cares about is is this guy going to close or can he does he have the ability to close and how much money am I going to make when it closes? Guys, that's just the reality, right? I'm just going to give it to you real. That's the only thing on broker's mind is, can I get paid? Now, I know I just put a bunch of realtors in a box, and I'm sorry for that, but prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I know they all care, but a lot of them care about that paycheck, and that's just the reality, and I'm okay with it. I want them to care about that paycheck because guess what? One of the things that I'll always do and I'll always recommend you guys do is when you have an, a broker that has a listing and if you're a realtor yourself or you have a realtor, 
I would recommend that you do not use that realtor or your realtor license and try to ask for a commission. Don't do it. Why? Because every other person is going to do it. And when I say what motivates a broker, it's commissions. So if you give him both sides or his full commission split and don't ask for anything else, when it comes to presenting potential offers to the seller and the seller's asking him for his opinion on what deal makes the most sense to him or what deal that he thinks he should do, it sure goes a long way to give the guy what I call double juice. Want to give him some double juice? Give him the love. Give him all the commission, baby. Don't hold it back. Don't try to take some of it. Give it to your buddy. Because if you remember in earlier episodes, we talked about making friends with the broker. And how do we do that? Let me recap it for you. You've got to talk about something other than real estate. It's got to be something about kids, family, dogs, pets, soccer, football, sports, something other than like buying apartments and deals and commissions and apartments in general. It's got to be what they like to do. So I always like to ask brokers when I'm talking to them, hey, what do you like to do for fun? And they say like, eh, you know, I like to play pool. Well, I don't like playing pool. So I'm like, well, what else do you like to do? And I'm going to keep going until he hits something that I like. Then I have a commonality. And so I'm going to make notes in that broker's file because I'm keeping track of everybody I'm talking to. And I'm when I call that broker back in a couple of weeks, I'm going to say, hey, John, you know, and we're let's say we're talking about football and he likes, and I'm going to know what team he likes. Let's say he's he likes the Dallas Cowboys of all teams. Um, so yeah, I like, you know, hey, did you see what happened with Jerry or I'm going to go research what's going on in Dallas football, and hopefully I know it so I can be intelligent. We can have good conversations, or we can just talk football in general. But if he has a special team that he likes and he follows, I'm going to make sure I pay attention a little bit more to that, or I'm going to do some a little bit of research before I call. Well, why do I do this? Why is that so important? Man, the only thing that I can tell you in life that I think is more important than getting married and finding a great woman <laughs> is like keeping track of all the wonderful people you meet because, you know, it's not who you know, it's, well, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and it's how well you know them. And the how well you know them part comes into play by finding commonality, by finding things that you both have a relationship with. That if he plays racquetball and you play racquetball, dude, you can talk racquetball all day long. You can talk about things that you have fun with. And when you do this, now you're talking something other than a stupid real estate deal. And if I've learned anything in life, and I'm not that smart, trust me, but I've learned this. It's the people and the uh, relationships that you have that are the most valuable. It really is. It's the same thing with raising private money. So we talk about private money. I mean, it's all about the relationship. It's all about knowing that person that you're going to, that's going to give you money about what they like, what they don't like and who they are as people. And that is so important. And, and it's almost a forgotten art. I mean, well, one of these days we're going to talk about the art of writing a handwritten thank you letter. 
I'm, I can tell you, like, I've raised so much money out of a stupid handwritten thank you letter. It's crazy. And, you know, I've, like, upped my game now. I've got, like, this wax seal that I use, and uh, and it's awesome. So I'll go have to make a video of this and share it with my, my uh, Kahuna Wealth Builders crowd because I think it's, like, a nice touch. All right, so that's a little tangent. We'll get off of that. We'll go ahead and back into what we're talking about. So, you know, getting a broker to, like, like you is so, so important. And you really want him to like you and to be – you know, what he would consider somewhat of a guy, a friend, even if it's a woman, you want them to see you as someone they enjoy talking with and that the conversation is really smooth. And a lot of times we're not talking about what's going on in the market or the new deal that just came on the market. We're talking totally an entirely different language. And then we come back to the reason we called. Like, doesn't that sound so different than that cold, weird, awkward call to somebody that you're going to try to, you know, Hey, I want to see the deal. Like that's no fun. But if you've called, if you're calling your friend and how do conversations with friends go, it's not like, Hey, is John Smith there? Hey, John, this is Corey. You know, it would be, yo, John, what's up? Hey man. Like that's a whole, it's just a whole different language and it's a whole different vibe and feel. And that's what I mean about like getting the broker to like you. You want to have those pleasant conversations that go somewhere other than stupid real estate. Now I say stupid real estate, but we all know that it's my passion and my love. And I'm sure it's yours as well, or you wouldn't be here. But sometimes in the end of the day, real estate's just a, you know, it's just a means to an end. It's what I do for a living, but it's not what drives me. What drives me is my friends, family, and the people that I care about. Right. And I ho hopefully that really comes through like perfectly crystal clear because I could care less about real estate. I love it. But at the end of the day, the only thing that really drives me is my wife, my kids, my family, and my friends. And, you know, I'll put God on top of that. And that's really how it rolls. So, anyways, getting the broker to light you is important. The next thing. So now, Let's talk about the physical, like if you're going to make an offer on a property, what does it look like? Like what's in there? Well, the first thing that you're going to have to have is what's called an LOI or letter of intent, letter of intent. That's what we do in the commercial apartment worlds. We, we create LOIs and the single family residential world, you make a contract and you send a contract over. Well, in our business, that's just way too complicated, and it's like too much up front. Like, you got to kiss me and date me before you can give me a contract. And so that's why we have this letter of intent, or it's kind of like saying, hey, listen, I want to buy your apartment complex, so I'm going to give you this intent of what I think I want to do. <laughs> and so that's kind of how I, how I relate it, but it, it feels like that. But what it basically is is – Normally a two to three page document. The one I use is three pages. And in it, we have who's buying it, who's selling it. And a lot of times we don't even know who's selling it. So we just put, you know, to be determined because we don't know who the real seller is because we're going through a broker. We're going to put the price, how much we're going to offer. We're going to put, you know, our inspection period. And I'm going to talk about some specifics in this here in a minute. And we're going to put in how much uh, after our inspection period. We're going to put in uh, our how many days we're going to close after our inspection is over. 
then some a little bit of legal jargon, and then we're going to sign it, and then we're going to have a list of, we're going to call it Appendix A, of all the things that we're going to want during our due diligence phase, which is like saying, hey, I want all this, and I want like a certified, you know, rent rolls, P&Ls, um, taxes, tax returns, so we're going to spell all that out. Now, I know I'm like already seeing some guys in their minds saying, gosh, I wish I had what one looked like. Well, guess what? I care. So the Kahuna is going to help you out here. So you know what? I was going to put it on my show notes, but I'm just going to give you the website. I'll give you, I'll probably make this like a password protected deal to get it, but go to kahunawealthbuilders.com forward slash LOI. And I'll have some kind of like quick little opt-in page to get it, but I'll give you the, the LOI that I use so you can have a really good sample of what one looks like. And that way you can know that, you know, here's all the things that a good LOI has and you can fill in the blanks. There you go. Simple, done. So that's the first thing that you need is a good LOI that's clear, concise, and to the point. And all it's doing, it's not an official contract. It's just a way of saying, hey, I want to buy your property. And here's what I'm going to offer and yada, yada, yada. So a broker gets that and he gets it from everybody else. This is like, like, this is our LOI. And it's really just saying, here's what we want to offer on your property. But that's not what you send a broker. You just, just do not send that one piece of paper. That is a rookie mistake. Rookies do that. Professionals go a lot farther. And I'm going to show and share with you what we do. So the next thing that you need to attach anytime you're making an offer on a property, and you know I want to backstep a little bit because I think I need to make a seventh pillar, which is called how to create your power team. I'm going to have six, but I might even just make it a seven because I think you, we're going to have to talk about this. How to find like a management company. Because when you have a great management company, what your management company is going to give you for your LOI is what I call a credibility kit. And that's kind of like, your management company's bio. It's going to talk about who they are, what they are, what they've done, how many units they manage, what um, markets they manage in, what states they manage in, what's you know what's their experience level, and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be able to tell a really really good story on that they are efficient and can do the job. And remember, if we're if we're going after our first deal, which is, in my opinion, should be that momentum play. That momentum play is solved by management a lot of times. Management and some efficiencies in operations and fixing some of the deferred maintenance. There's usually not much, but there's some. So by having a good management company involved, you know, on board, it's going to show the other operations team that's selling the property that you kind of have your ducks in a row. And having your ducks in a row, especially when you're presenting an LOI, I mean, this is the best thing you're going to get. So you want to put like your best foot forward. So you can find that. I'll teach you how to find a great management company. And it really is because what you're buying in a management company are their systems and procedures and how they operate and train people and staff and how they interact with your people and staff and how they maintain that at the property level. That's what a great management company does. 
Um, they also do a lot more as far as they increase your net worth and can make your job a lot easier. So now that we have that down, that first piece is your LOI. The second piece is your manager's credibility kit. Now, if you just had that, that would be okay. But let's like, let's like plus this. Let me give you another like mm -mm -mm to get over the edge. The third thing that you have, if you have it, now you may not have this and that's okay, but if you have your own credibility kit, so if you're a fix and flipper or you're a wholesaler that's already in the real estate business, you better be showcasing that you're successful at it. You wanna show that you are successful at it and you have your own credibility kit with your own bio and your own like three or four page document. So, you know, what does that look like? Ooh, well, <laughs> I am feeling extra generous today. And so I am going to make sure that I give everybody that's listening my, what I use, my, my credibility kit. So again, I think I'll, I'll host it at the same place, which is um, Kahuna Wealth Builders forward slash LOI. So go there and you'll have a quick little opt-in. And also I'll give you my LOI and I'm going to give you this my property brochure and you're going to, you'll see that it's like really cool because that's what I give a broker and it, it tells the story of who we are, what we do and just our whole credibility package. And that means something. Now, if you don't have one, don't fret it. It's not like the end of the world, but does it help? Of course it does. Now, sometimes my management company that I work, that I work with, they're so busy making an offer. Sometimes they even forget to include my, my credibility kit, so I know it doesn't really matter. But this third thing, or the fourth thing that I'm gonna say that you need to try to make sure that you put in there, let me, let me just back up just a minute here to say what it is. The fourth thing that you need to have is what I call a proof of funds. And so I gotta give you my version of what I think a proof of funds is and what it's not, and what it is to a broker that you're gonna present it, that he's gonna present it to a seller, um, there is no allegiance there for me. So a proof of funds is worth about as much as the piece of paper that it was printed on the moment it was printed and it is worthless the second you press print because at any given time after you press print, things can change. And so that's my theory of what a proof of funds is. It is a piece of paper with written words on it. So I'm just going to tell you, now, we're over here in the real world, so if you want to go into the uh, other podcasts that, you know, do the fluff fluff stuff, you can go there. But at this podcast, we're just going to keep it real, if that's okay. And so let's just put it this way. There's numbers on a proof of funds. If I needed a $1.2 million raise, I'm just going to say that there's some very powerful creative programs called like Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, things like that that could make those numbers absolutely appear on any screenshot of your bank account. Okay, so I just said it. Did I just say make it work? I think I did. And ask me how I know this, okay? Now, what I'm not telling you to do is give that to a bank. That's different. That's fraud, okay? We're not frauding a bank. You're not going to, because they're asking for documentation of proof of funds. But when I'm trying to get an offer accepted by a seller, I'm just going to tell you, you bet your behindy 
I'm going to make sure, even if I don't, because a lot of times I may have the net worth of some of my properties to, you know, I just don't have the liquid cash in my bank account. Okay, so do I have a problem with creating a proof of funds that's embellished? I'm going to, my conscious, I sleep like a baby at night. Um, I don't do this to banks, but am I going to give it to a broker to give and present a clean offer? I absolutely am going to every dang time because A, if they call my bank, my bank would never verify it anyway. So what does it matter? I guarantee your bank's never going to verify if you got $1.2 million in your account too, right? They just don't do that. They don't. This day and age, banks do not give out any personal financial information. And again, that proof of funds was just as good as the day that you hit print or you made numbers magically appear on it before you hit print. So uh, I just gave you a real trademark secret of how you get your deals accepted. And I will hope everybody took notice. So... Again, this is the real world that we're talking about, guys. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you like how you get it done, not especially if you're new. And I still do this. I mean, I'm not new, and I still do this. I had a proof of funds the other day that I needed like $7 million because I'm a syndicator. I'm going to go raise $7 million. That I have no problem. But do I have $7 million sitting in my bank account today? No. And about... You know, six weeks, seven weeks, when I get everybody to fund the PPM, I sure as crap will, and I can give that to the bank when it's time to close my lending down, and they're going to require a proof of funds. I can absolutely print that out because I have the money in my bank. But, I mean, take it for what it is. But I'm just telling you, that's, that's the real deal. So when I, when I put all those things together, and a sharp-looking LOI that's clear and concise a manager management uh, credibility kit, my own credibility kit, and a proof of funds to boot. What do you think magically happens? And I get the deal. That's what happens. I get to get, you know, moving on some things so I can like make some money. And that's what happens. So like right now, I've got like these two deals. One's in Spartanburg, South Carolina, um, it's like a $15 million deal, and there's a pretty dang good chance that I'm going to get this deal. And there's another one in Charlotte, North Carolina, that's a $20 million deal. Now, we're doing these two deals like back-to-back, and one's like an $8 million raise, and one's like a $6 million raise. So, yeah, <laughs> to do two deals like that, I'm, I'm, I'm making up a proof of funds that I'm sending to the broker. Because in my mind, I know that when I get ready to fund these deals, it's not a big deal. All my investors are going to fund it. So we'll have the proof of funds. And I'm not giving it to a bank. That's I just want to stress that to you guys. So I'm not giving it to a bank, nor do I recommend that you give it to a bank. But if you're going to give it to the broker that's trying to sell the deal for you, all day, all, all hands aboard, man. Get that thing rolling. Get your deal. Put yourself in first position. Because until you get a deal, you don't have a deal. And you want to have the ability to get a deal so you can have a way to make some income and some wonderful cash flow. So uh, with that, that's really kind of like it. Like that's the main things that you need for an LOI. I just gave you guys two great nuggets with, I'm going to give you my LOI, my, my credibility kit. You're going to like that. And with that said, I, let's see here. It's, I've got 20, this is actually a little smaller podcast, but 
really there there is not much more to say than than that i mean it's about the relationships let me recap it it's about that relationship with the broker make the broker your friend let them know that you're always paying attention that's what's going to make your loi have so much credibility too and then your and then having your ducks in a row with your management credibility kit that should look so nice and if your management company doesn't have one and you really believe in them make them create one you have to have it you have to have that's like that's a big selling piece now truly the right management companies are going to have it they're going to have it i promise you because they're out there trying to get business too and so they're going to have what you need to help promote you know the product that they're delivering but when you get it right um, you're going to have a lot more success in getting offers accepted the other thing oh you know what we got a little more things to go okay here's the other dirty little let me give you all the other dirty little tricks because the broker is your friend this is so important why the broker is your friend you're giving them double the juice remember that we've given them a wonderful looking property packet but here's the key i am the very last person to ever submit my loi so if there's a call for offers at friday at five o'clock at five o'clock i'm calling the broker because i already went to, i went and already visited the property he knows that i'm interested and so i'll call him at five o'clock and say hey listen john i want to i'm gonna i i want to submit an offer i i just got back to the office i'm getting ready to send it now listen up here's the critical words that you need to say hey i'm looking for some pricing guidance on this offer and this is where i just play hot or cold you know i don't want to be the very highest bid in starting off because all i really want to do john is make it to what's called best and final i just want to make it the best and final john so what range do i need to be in to make it to assure that i'm going to make it to best and final i don't want to put my best foot forward now i'm gonna i just want to make it to the uh to to the big boys table and if you say it kind of like that they're going to understand what you're saying and they're going to give you a number or a range and when if you need like specific clarification you can say john you know is if he gives you a range you're going to use the top of the range say does that make me really hot or you know or you you pick out a number somewhere in between and say is that warm enough you think that's warm enough to get me there and he'll let you know uh no it needs to be a little bit more sometimes they'll just tell you the exact number right and if they do that then kiss this broker and like make him happy <laughs> do whatever i mean you're gonna go out there and take him to dinner is what you're gonna do but this is just a relationship game this is the relationship aspect and why it's so important to get people to like you and to really enjoy your company and when you do that then you're having conversations with friends friends are going to tell you more information than just a business associate and having friends is the key it's the key to this game is to having lots of brokers that you can call your friends that know who you are know that you're actively in the market and know that you can close and that goes a long way so again so that's just to get into the highest and best now once we've gotten to the highest and best um, usually the broker is going to collect all the offers and then it's going to wait like a two or three days, sometimes three or four. It all depends on if it's a weekend or whatnot. 
And then he's going to come back and say, hey, guess what? You've been invited to the highest and best. Oh, another little thing that I left out, earnest money. Talked about earnest money. Typically, $100,000 earnest money can lock up, uh, you know, up till I want to say like a $7 million deal, right? If you're doing a $20 million deal, you might want to put a couple hundred thousand dollars earnest money. And remember, it doesn't have to be your earnest money. You can use OPM. You can have what's called a sponsor. Maybe he comes in as, you know, part of your equity uh, group or he's, uh, you know, part of your deal that he has the credit and the, we'll talk about sponsors at another time, but I mean, you can use what's called a sponsor or you can just find someone to fund it for you for the short period of time that you're still under your due diligence. Then what's going to happen is now you get a call for offers for best and final. And let's say best and final offers are due the following Friday. Well, guess what we're doing? We're going to call back on Friday at 5 o'clock and say, John, or we may call him that earlier in the day and say, John, listen, we really like this deal. We're giving you both the juice. You know, how's the, how's the Cowboys? We're going to talk about Cowboys, and we're, then we're going to come back and we're going to say, listen, I really want to win this deal. I need some pricing guidance. You know, what What do you think it's going to take? Or what range do you think it's going to take to get this deal? Now, some brokers will speed on you here and some will not. But if you've got a really good relationship, they're just going to tell you the truth. And especially if they believe and like you, it's going to get you the deal. It's going to give you a really good chance at the deal. Now, last episode, we talked about analyzing your apartment deal and what I didn't talk about was to know like your strike price and know the numbers, um, you know, as far as the most that you're willing to pay and do not pay more than your strike price says so. So there's a certain threshold that you'll not go above no matter what the deal looks like. That's chasing rabbits. We don't want to chase rabbits. We don't want to be the rabbit. <laughs> we just want fat deals. We want those big fat hogs. And so... That's what we want to do. We want to be patient and let the deals come to us. You don't want to chase deals. That's just a bad idea. Because if you get a fat deal and it gets skinny, you're okay. If you get a skinny deal and it gets skinny-er, well, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's going to like make you pull all your hair out, and it's going to get your investors pissed off at you, and you just don't want to play that game. So don't do skinny deals. Only do fat deals. Big kahuna deals. That's what you want to do. So once, you know, and, and so at that point, at the final and best, you're going to ask for the pricing guidance. And if you've done all those things right, there's a pretty darn good chance that guess what's going to happen? They're going to call you and they're going to award you the deal. And like, there's not a better feeling. Now it's not over then. Because now that you've got the deal, you've won the LOI, now you got to have a lawyer prepare some documents. And documents are a whole different episode, but it's not a hard process. We'll talk about that down the road. And we'll probably interview my lawyer, Howard, Howard Wise. I've got a couple of them, but I like Howard. He's local in here in Phoenix, and he, he's done quite a few deals with me on you know what takes place and how it, how it works. And it's, uh, it's something that's fun to do. You know, the, the lawyers, you know, they prepare this contract and they go back and forth of, you know, this says this and that says that. And, 
when they all finally get a meeting of the minds, we finally have a purchase contract that's ready to sign. And when I sign it and I finally I get my seller to sign it, now we're in contract. We wire the earnest money, and guess what? Our due diligence period starts, and you're well on your way to starting to own your first apartment deal. Is that cool or what? I'm telling you, it is the coolest thing. And it's sometimes it's the most frightening thing when you get that offer accepted and you've got to go raise $1.1 million, $1.4 million. Hey, I'm getting ready to do my first $20 million deal. That's like an $8 million raise. Try them apples on for size. But I didn't start there, guys. I mean, that's my whole point. I started, I mean, I started as a wholesaler. So I know that if I can do this business and I'm succeeding and I talk out of one side of my mouth, I'm, I barely met out of high school, but I know I got tired of the hustle and grind. I got tired of working all the time on my business and every year I had to wake up and every month I had to wake up. And if I wanted to make more, I had to work twice as hard. Well, not anymore, my friends, not anymore. I don't live that lifestyle because cash flow saved me. And now all I think about is where I'm going on my next vacation. This fall, I'm coaching football. I'm coaching my son's 11 and 12 year football team. And it's a full commitment for till like July until like the end of uh, almost November. So that's a long time to be committed. Now I've still got some travel days and stuff that I'm working in there, but I mean, that's the ability that that's what multifamily has given me. It's given me all my time that I want to spend. I can, I can spend it and really structure things in a way that I am my own boss. So I want to leave you guys with that. You can have everything that you put your mind to because your paradise is possible. We call it the multifamily legacy podcast for a reason, because one deal can take care of not only you, but your family as well. And I'm living proof that it can happen. Guys, thank you so much. If you haven't already, go to Kahuna Wealth Builders, get my uh, workshop video series. You're going to need that. And then also, again, from my heart, it means a lot to me, is that iTunes review. I so want everybody to hear my story, my message, all the things I'm talking about right now, because I believe that I do it like no one else does, and I'm going to give it to you unfiltered, which is a very, very unique concept these days for people to tell you the truth, okay? I'm not giving you fluff. It is all content. Again, thanks a lot. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Sunsets and palm trees, baby.